Welcome to the Declaration Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Cornelson. For more information about Declaration Church and other resources, visit declaration.org. All right, good morning, guys. Did you, did you see me? I was try- John told me I could dance, but I can't dance. So I asked my youngest if I could dance, and he said no, I couldn't do that either. So um, good to be with you this morning. My name is Mark, and uh, it's my privilege to get to... Uh, to share and to teach this morning. And if you're new with Declaration, I want to tell you, for this particular Sunday, there's, there's two, two things that I would recommend that you don't say. One is don't walk up to somebody and say, hey, who are you voting for? That's not a good, that's not a good thing. And um, also uh, probably don't want to walk around this morning and say, roll tide. That's probably not going to fit with the, with the church this morning. I knew I'd get the little S's. That's, that's as far as A&M can go sometimes. It's just they get stuck on that, that S thing. So, um, no, I actually I was talking to Matt, my, my buddy down here this morning, and my wife and I graduated from the University of North Texas up in Denton. There we go. And um, our daughter is up there right now. And uh, yesterday, uh, the University of Texas lost, the Aggies lost, and North Texas won. So, so I thought... I guarantee you that's more spirit here than is anybody in Denton is having right now. But I honestly thought maybe I'm not going to get to preach because it's possible Jesus is coming back because of everything that kind of came together. But here we are this morning. So um, I, I am super excited to get to share with you. If you have your Bibles, then uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask you, if you'll dive into Colossians chapter 3, go ahead and start finding that. If you do not have a Bible, we have some in the back. We would love for you to grab one of those, take that, let that be a gift uh, that we can just give you. And um, we're going to get into this. I get to talk. We've, we've been going through a great series called We Plant Life. And we've been talking about relationships with one another, with others, with uh, out into the world. We had some great conversation last week about diving in missionally and looking at our place in the world for that. And I get to bring it in a little bit, little bit closer to home. And so my focus this week as we talk about planting life is going to be diving into marriage and relationship that comes from, from marriage. Now, here's what some of you guys are thinking right now. Is you're, you're going, okay, because I know we've got like four different types of people in the room right now, right? One of them is this. You're married, and it's just awesome. It's the greatest thing in the world, right? And that means you're either newlyweds or you're my wife and I. So you're one of those two <laughs> right there, okay? Um, I am... I am proud to say that, that Kathy and I have been married for 27 years. Um, my parents have been married for 54, is that right? 54 years. Kathy's parents, they have the coolest story. This is a whole other sermon someday, but they were married for a number of years, got a divorce, went off their separate ways. God brought them back together. They have been married again now for 35 years. So I'm, I'm very fortunate, and I, and I want to say that up front, that a lot of where I come from when I'm talking about marriage is I recognize the, the life that God's allowed me to have. And it's not to say that Kathy and I have had easy things, right? It hasn't been necessarily an easy life, but we're just blessed. We've got a, 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 good, a good legacy of marriage and what that means in, in godly context. So that's where I get to speak from. But then there's also another group, and you're the ones that are married this morning, and it's not going so great. And that may be your relationship that you have with your spouse, but it also could just be life, right? Does anybody identify with that? Okay, the things that happen in this world that are happening, whether it's your job or your kids or whatever that thing is, and they take a toll on our relationship with our spouse, okay? 
So it may not be that I'm, that, that I'm speaking to you this morning saying, hey, you got a bad relationship. It may just be that life is just wearing out your marriage right now. There's another group of people here. They're the ones that would say, I'm not married, but I want to be. And I'm just hoping, I'm looking for that day. Maybe you already got plans and you got that person or um, you've got that person, but they don't know yet either. Um, those kind of things, right? And so what I want to give you this morning is to encourage you in uh, what is to come and what's possible. But then there's a last group of people who are going, I don't have any desire, any thoughts at all when it comes to marriage. Maybe you've been married and you're not anymore and you're like, I did that world and I'm finished with it. Or maybe you're like seven and you're just not even thinking about, about what marriage looks like, okay? So, so I recognize that, that when John got in touch with me and he said, hey, will you preach on this Sunday and I'd love you to talk about marriage, I totally knew what he was doing. He didn't want to preach about marriage, okay? Let's just call this the way, what it is. He passed this on to somebody else, right? Because he didn't want to have to cover this. But um, you know what? I'm trusting in God to speak what needs to be spoken and that hopefully I don't offend my wife in some way this morning. So I figure the best way to do this is that we've got to start in the right place. And what we need is solid marital relationship wisdom and as scripture tells us, a little child shall lead them. I thought there's no better place to go than to look at some actual statements that children have said about love and marriage. And so I've got a couple of things that I think is just going to, I could probably finish the sermon here because it's going to give you so much stuff to walk away with uh, that, that I think this is going to be enough. So here's what we got. Some things that kids have said. First thing is this, what is the proper age to get married? Okay. Asked a bunch of kids this. This is my favorite one because it shows so clearly the difference between men and women, all right? So the woman in this is a little girl named Judy who's eight years old. She says this, 84, because at that age, you don't have to work anymore and you can spend all your time loving each other in your bedroom. (laughs) Somebody needs to describe some anatomy and age things to Judy 84 is a little far. But then then you got the other side of the spectrum. Here's Tom. Tom is five years old. Look what Tom says. Once I'm done with kindergarten, I'm going to find me a wife. (laughs) Dude is not waiting at all, all right? Good chance that Tom and Judy are not going to get together. I think they're too far apart on their their plans. Okay, on another one, on what falling in love is like. Roger, who is nine years old, says, it's like an avalanche where you have to run for your life. That's just, that's just, soak that in for a second. That's wisdom right there, okay? Falling in love. This is what Leo, who's seven years old, this is what he says. If falling in love is anything like learning how to spell, I don't want to do it. It takes too long. <laughs> okay. Don't worry, Leo. We're all still learning love and spelling and all that kind of stuff. How do you make your love endure? This is great. Ready? Roger, who's eight years old, says, don't forget your wife's name. That will mess up the love. That is solid. That's going to be a tattoo, Kath, that I think I'm going to get on my body somewhere, okay? Don't forget your wife's name, all right? Um, wives, you can forget your husband's name, according to uh, Roger here, but, but husbands, you can't forget. Uh, the other thing, Randy, who's eight years old, be a good kisser. It might make your wife forget that you never take out the trash. <laughs> solid, Right? Opinions on finding love. So how do you find it? How do you, how do you get it? This is what the kids say. Bobby, 
who's eight years old, says, love will find you even if you're trying to hide from it. I've been trying to hide from it since I was five, but the girls keep finding me. (laughs) Regina, who's 10 years old, says, I'm not rushing into love. I'm finding fourth grade hard enough. Okay? So again, the difference between men and women there. And then the last one here that I want to share with you, how do you make your marriage work? This is the greatest piece. If you've got your phone, you might want to take a picture of the screen because this is just something you're going to want to hang on to. This is Ricky. He's 10 years old. He says, tell your wife she's pretty even when she looks like a dump truck. (laughs) Okay. Now, let me be clear. Ricky and us here at Declaration Church. Do not condone lying to your spouse, okay? Um, except in this case. That's really a pretty good, pretty solid, pretty solid thing. But guys, all of, all of that, it's so funny because Kathy and I had the privilege of working with teenagers for a really long time. And one of the things that we, we got to experience a lot was as teens would begin those relationships with uh, the opposite sex and they start growing up and then they move into college and they're just like, I just don't think I'm ever going to find that person. How do I find somebody? What is it? All of these things, that, they're what we think about. They're, they're a part of, of what life is and there's a reason for that. If you go into scripture and if you look too, too far, not very far in scripture, you're going to find that a lot of what God communicates to us about our relationship with him, he uses marriage talk, Right? There's a lot in, in Scripture where he, can, he calls himself the bride. We, we are the bridegroom of Christ. He is the groom. And so when we talk about marriage, that's why marriage is such a sensitive subject is because it, it actually is the very heart of God in relationship. Now, I'm going to go ahead and qualify with this. Somebody will come up and say, so are you saying that it's wrong to be single? Absolutely not. Am, am I saying that every single person will get married someday? Absolutely not. But I'm talking about the relationship that we share with our father is he uses this language. And so we can laugh at these things, but then there's still this thing inside of us going, how do I make this thing work? What does this actually look like? And so we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. And I want you to understand that Colossians 3 is, is, is a letter that Paul wrote. And, but it's really more of a sermon, and it's a sermon about the union of Christ and us in our relationship. So while this isn't specifically maybe a marriage passage, it fits within our relationship with our spouse, with our future spouse, and with other people around us. So what I want to do, let's, let's go through this. We're going to start in verse 12. So if you've got Colossians 3, verse 12, and it's just so much rich, rich stuff in this that I, I'm just going to read through it first, and then we'll go from there. So uh, follow along on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you 
for the opportunity that we have to be here and to hear your word this morning. Um, but God, we, we want more than just to, to hear a message or to uh, read a passage that maybe we've read before. We want this to, we want you to plant something of this in our lives. And God, that can't be done through my words. That can't be done in any other way except by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we invite you here. We ask that you would touch hearts and minds so that you would join and strengthen marriages that exist, that are coming. And God, whatever this means in our relationship with you and those that are around us, I pray, God, that you would open our hearts to truly hear and listen and walk away changed because of what you want to do in us. God, this time is yours, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So we're talking about planning life, and we're talking about planning life in marriage. Now, here's, here's something that I will admit that I'm guilty of, and I know I'm guilty of this because Kathy's told me that I'm guilty of this, okay, which is one of the benefits of a spouse. You can always find out what they think about what you should be thinking. Yeah, something like that. All right. Sometimes we come to church we come to a service and we hear a message and we read scripture and we hear what somebody's speaking and the entire time we're thinking, oh, that's really, really good stuff. I wish that so-and-so was here to hear this. This is a really good message for my mom and dad. I wish my mom and dad was here. And you know what we do? We immediately begin to deflect whatever's being spoken because God sometimes, when he starts talking to us about things, it's a little uncomfortable. And rather than admit and own some of this and look in and say, God, where do you want me to change? Where do you want me to impact? We start thinking about how it applies to somebody else. And so what I want to encourage you to do as we go through this here, got husbands in this room, don't, don't be thinking, I sure hope my wife is listening to this, okay? Trust me, that's not going to work out well for you, all right? Wives, don't sit there and just pray, God, just let my husband hear. I'm going to ask that both of you stop for a second and you listen and see what God wants to have for you in your relationship with one another. Okay, because that's, that's just valuable. That's, that's what we're here for, all right? So planning life in our marriage, there's a couple of things that I want you to see that we get from this passage that is so important. So I got three main things, and then we're gonna go from there, right? The first thing is this, is, is if, you're gonna, if you're married and you wanna have a relationship where you're instilling life in that other person that God has brought into your life or will bring into your life, then I tell you what, you gotta understand this first. It's intentional, Okay, it, it is on purpose that you do that. Look at what he says in, in uh, the verses there. He says, clothe yourselves with, and then he lists all these things, right? He says, and then above all, clothe yourselves with love, right? Yeah, let me, let me I, I, maybe you guys are different than me, but when I wake up in the morning, I'm not clothed for the day. If, uh, now, I work from home. So I'm almost clothed for the day because I just throw on a T-shirt and I go sit in front of a computer. But, but for the most part, I'm not clothed for the day. So when, when I know that I'm going to go meet somebody or I've got, a, I've got a meeting or I've got a breakfast or a lunch or whatever, I purposely get up and I get myself cleaned up. I'll typically shave. I put my clothes on. I think about what I'm wearing for the day. And, and guys, all of that is on purpose. And so when God is telling us through Paul that we are to clothe ourselves with these certain qualities because of the people that we're going to encounter during the day, it is something you have to make the decision to do. You have to wake up every day and don't think about the things that maybe are distracting or pushing you away or going, I shouldn't have to do that. They should have to do. You've got to willingly wake up every day and go, you know what? It's my decision to do this, right? Great example of this is God the Father. John chapter 15, he says this, no greater love has anyone than this, that he would give up his life for his friends. Jesus said that. 
He says, would give up his life. Do you realize that's an intentional statement? Do you realize that Jesus' life was not taken from him? It was given up? When he was, on the, when he was on the cross, it says that he gave up his spirit. He made the decision to give his life away for the sake of those that he wanted to see saved, that he wanted to save. If our relationship with our husband or wife or with people around us is marriage talk like we're, like we're saying we see in Scripture, then we have to take on the same attitude of Christ, and we have to recognize that there is some intentionality about what we must do in our relationship with that other person. The other thing is this. How about John chapter 3? Everybody knows this one. God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. God didn't go, you know what? Uh, we got a bunch of different options. Jesus, I'm going to let you pick which one you want to do. He said, the, the only way to save these people, to bring them to eternal life, to restore this relationship that I want, is I'm going to have to choose to give you to them. I'm going to have to give you as a sacrifice for their sins. So we have to understand that God has, has clearly made, put this out there for us, that he has been willing to give. He's been intentional about our relationship. Therefore, we are called to be intentional about our relationship with our spouse. And look at what he says. Man, I'm so glad that he puts on super easy things to do, aren't you? Um, <laughs> clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy. That's probably not a word people would use when they describe me, tenderhearted Um mercy, kindness. Yeah. Okay. Uh, humility, gentleness, patience, right? Look at these guys. I don't know about you and maybe you're just an awesome person and I'm standing up here making myself look really dumb because I struggle with some of these things. Maybe all of you are just like, I don't know why that's a problem, but to be patient, I have to purposely go, uh, Mark, calm down, be patient, right? Sometimes in humility, I have to stop and I go, okay, Mark, you're really, you're really kind of taking the lead on this and you need to humble yourself. I have to make that decision. It doesn't come naturally for me, right? To be kind sometimes. Man, I tell you what, if, if Kathy comes home and she's struggling with something from somebody else, what somebody else said, some, I don't instantly go, you know what, babe, let's pray for that person. No, I'm like, I'm upset because I want to defend her and I want to, so kindness is not a natural thing. But, so that's why when we're told we must clothe ourselves, it's an understanding that, guys, it's an intentional thing that you have to choose to do. And where that gets really difficult is with your spouse. Because I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but sometimes in our families, we tend to treat them worse than the people that we encounter every day in the world. You ever seen that? Yeah. Because we know there, there should be unconditional love, right? There should be grace. There should be mercy. And so if I can be a rear end to somebody, I'm probably going to be a rear end to somebody in my family because they're just going to have to deal with me. I'm, the, I'm, I'm me. But what I need to do is I need to treasure them even more and I need to purposely think about the fact, okay, it's difficult for me to put these things on in normal life. I need to be more intentional and more focused about it when I'm dealing with the people that I love so deeply that God has purposely placed in my life as my family. Okay? So marriage, planting marriage is intentional. It's on purpose. All right? But here's the next part. Planning marriage uh, or planning life in marriage is also expected. We don't have a choice in any of this. This, this is, and when we're talking about relationship, when you look at what Paul says in these verses, he doesn't say, hey, if you're in the mood or if you feel like it, or hey, if you encounter somebody who is really nice to you first, then think about doing these things. He doesn't give us that option. He says, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna let the peace of Christ rule. You're gonna be thankful. 
in all things. You're going to show the message of Christ in all that you do. You're going to teach other people. You're going to counsel other people. You're going to sing with other people. These are expected. These are things that God has put before us. It says, this is what your life should look like as a believer. And you don't get to pick and choose which ones you want to do. In order to dive into relationship and to understand relationship and have deeper relationship, you must do these things. Now, I know, okay, I've been, in, I've been doing church work for a really long time, which just is weird to say, but it, it's true. I've, I've been in the church in different ways in, in, for a really long time. And I know that for some reason, we're a little bit, I'm just going to be real with you, we're in a culture of some churches right now who we don't like to tell people what they should and shouldn't do. I don't know what that's all about because Jesus never really had a problem with that. So I don't know why we do, right? He made it real clear. This is what you're going to, this is what you do. This is the path. This is the way things go. And then um, don't do this. Don't do that. I mean, there's just things, but somehow we've developed this culture of church and relationship where we have to be really sensitive. And I understand being nice and being kind, but guys, there's some things that were just not negotiable when it comes to being a follower of Christ. That's just all there is. And let me, let me make sure we're on the same side here. I'm not talking the mean things. Man, it's easy to get on Facebook and let everybody know exactly what your political views are as a Christian right now. Golly, I'm about done with that, right? I'm, I'm tired of that. What we need to be focused on more are these things. Um, letting the peace of Christ rule. <laughs> Come on, right? Being thankful. I loved our time. We had a time early this morning where we were just taking some some time just to be thankful, just to think about the things that God has put in our lives that, that we're thankful for. I don't do that enough, right? And you know who was the first person? Second person, because I, I was thankful for what God's given me. But the second person that came to my mind in that was Kathy. And I started going, God, I'm, I started kind of feeling guilty. I was like, I don't know that I'm thankful enough for her, Right? That's not, a, that's not negotiable. That's something I should be doing every single day. Showing the message of Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. The grace and love and peace that comes through Jesus Christ, everybody around us should be seeing that, especially those that are in closest relationship to us, which include our husband and our, and our, or our wives. Right? So you got planning life is going to be intentional, and then planning life is expected. It's just what we do. Next week, John's going to speak, and he's going to talk more about family, and you're going to find that a lot of these things overlap <laughs> when we're talking about family. And so, so I just know that this is not something that that's just somehow fits in this little context. Guys, this is a command that comes throughout all of Scripture that God's given us. All right. Third thing is this. Planting life in your marriage, and this is, this is kind of the, the difficult one, right, is mutual. It should be coming from both sides. Um, husbands, can I tell you, you don't get to wait until your wife does something a certain way before you instill and encourage life in her, right? You should lead out. Wives, you don't get to wait until your husband does this or that to somehow motivate you or, or strengthen you before you should instill life in him. It doesn't work that way, right? Now, here's, here's the other thing that's really interesting is John allowed me to um, have the passage that says, wives, submit to your husbands, because that's like everybody's favorite verse in all of Scripture throughout the whole um, time of, of, of the Bible, right? Okay. But I want you to look at something. And, and if you're only looking at the screen, if you saw in your, in your Bible, I want you to know something. The headers, the little subheadings that you see sometimes in Scripture, you realize those were put in there later, right? They were, they were breaks. And when Paul wrote this letter, he didn't write 
uh, verse numbers next to his letter, okay? This was a letter. This was one solid piece. And I want to tell you what, what we just read about the things that Christ calls us to be in relationship, there's not a break in Paul's letter. It goes immediately into wives submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives. It's all a part of the same thing. Because in verse 17, he has just got done saying, in all that you do, you should love the Lord. You should love God. Everything should point to God. And now, the, because you're going to do things that are going to point to God, here's what you do. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And I, and I want to make sure that we're on the same, same thing here. Um, I had a good friend that uh, lives out in Lubbock, just a great guy. And years ago, he told, he told me this, and I started thinking, because I've, I've had the privilege, and, and I really do consider this a privilege to get to do a lot of weddings. So I get to officiate a lot of weddings and, and um, mostly students that have grown up and they call me and say, would you come do my wedding? And it's just, I don't know, it's just very humbling. It's a really, really cool experience to, to get to do that. And so along with that, I do a lot of premarital counseling, right? And so in that, I've taken this that he told me and I'm going, this, this is too good because we get to this passage and so many people admit it, immediately tense up and they're like, oh, wives, submit to your husbands. That's a bad thing to say. Well, here's the thing. Husbands, let me tell you what. If you love your wife and you don't treat her harshly, but you honor her and you lift her up, which is what love is, right? Then her desire to follow you and to submit, which is not what everybody thinks it is, but to submit becomes a lot easier. And wives, when you submit and you go, you go, I know I see the leading of the Lord in my husband, so therefore where he goes, I go, and we're all one, then it makes it a lot easier for you to submit to him, which makes it a lot easier for him to love you. And so it's this really cool, awesome circle. So these two things, let me make sure you understand this. These are not mutually exclusive. They work well together, all right? If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, Man is all by himself. He's named all the animals, which is just an amazing thing. I don't even get that. Koala. How did he come up with that? I don't know. Anyway, so man has named all these animals. He's exhausted. And God says, you know what? It is not good for man to be alone. And he says, I am going to make a what? Does anybody know the word? Helper. Helpmate. Helper, right? Let's just call it what it is. He doesn't say, I'm going to make a slave for him. He says, I'm going to make a helper. I'm going to make a helpmate for him. And I don't know about you guys, but when I think about the word help, there's only one time that help really makes a difference in my life. And that's when I need help. Something is wrong and I'm calling out to someone, can you help? That's what my wife was designed for me. Because God knew when he created me that there were pieces of who I was that were not going to be able to be everything that I needed to be. And there were going to be things that if I was honest with myself and not just super macho manly trying to convince everybody that I'm all good, that I would recognize that I needed help. And my wife is my helpmate. And I am to be her helpmate for the things that she struggles with as well. Guys, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a submit. I'm lording over you. I'm in control of you sort of thing. So what we're looking at is we're saying that this relationship between husband and wife, when we're planting life in one another, it's a mutual thing. I love my wife, and therefore she commits and submits to the leadership that Christ has instilled over me, not in, a, not in an ownership sort of way, but in a love way that God has designed it's a beautiful thing, really, when you do it well. But let me, let me help you with this. 
not all of us do it well. And we don't do it well all the time. Maybe you're like, I'm really good about how I am with my spouse. Well, probably most of the time, but none of us are great at it all the time. And I'll tell you why. Because life happens, right? We, Kathy and I have been a couple of times to marriage conferences that are like the family life weekend to remember. Anybody ever heard of those, right? Really, really great stuff. And Dennis Rainey is a, is a leader of one of those. And he said something at one of those that Kathy and I went two years ago that we've brought up over and over. And it says this, is that expectation is the greatest cause of conflict in marriage. Okay? Let me say that again. Expectation is the greatest cause of conflict in marriage. So, and what that means is this. You can be the most awesome husband or the most awesome wife in the entire world. But sometimes you will create things in your mind that you're going, this is what I would like to see my spouse do. And when they don't fulfill those, that's where conflict comes from. For example, Kathy comes home and she's been thinking all day long, Man, I, I'm, I'm, she's, she does a lot of subbing in schools and stuff like that, so you never know what she's going to get. She didn't have the same kids every day, so uh, it's kind of an adventure for her. And she's been in a hard class, and she's been thinking all day long, man, I cannot wait to go home, and Mark is going to take me out to eat. And we're going to go get a nice dinner, and we're just going to relax, and that's it. And I have been working from home all day, and I'm thinking, I can't wait for Kath to get home and just fix a nice, good, solid meal, right? I'm already thinking what I want her to fix, and as soon as she walks in the door, I'm, I'm going, all right, here it is. And, she's, and we have these moments where suddenly she's like, well, I kind of wanted to go out. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go out. You're fixing, which means we're going out. So that's just kind of how it works, right? But we have these moments like this that are, that are conflict. And you know what the conflict's from? It's from expectation. I created my own expectation, and she didn't know what it was. She created hers, and I didn't know what it was. And then suddenly they come together, and they battle each other, and they don't, they don't fit. And so what God is doing with us in Colossians chapter 3, he's saying, hey, I want us all to be on the same page. There's no reason for expectations that are outside of my realm of what I desire for you as husband and wife because here they are. It's when you have the freedom to think and go try to figure out your own way to make your marriage better that's outside of the word of God is when we get ourselves in trouble. Every single time. And so... Guys, I want, I want to go again, and I want to make sure you, you hear what I'm saying. I understand that we're in all different places when we're talking about marriage in a place like this, right? And so what I would ask is that you think through this passage and, and go back and, and read it again and ask God to do this. This is going to be a really telling thing for you. But before you read it, say, Lord, if there's any of these things that I struggle with, specifically with my spouse, would you bring those to light very clearly for me, Right? And don't at the same time and say, and I pray that Kathy would figure out what she struggles with too. It's not about them, right? It's about you. But what we need in this world, I don't, I, I, again, I don't know how much you guys see this, but we need solid relationships, specifically between in marriage. We need good examples. We need lots of the tender mercy of Christ and the peace of Christ. And we need all of these things. And the way that God designed it is that it's going to come through our relationships with one another. And one of the major ways is through our relationships with our spouse. And so my question for you this morning is, how well do you feel like you're planning life in those people that are around you? If you're husband and wife, if you're married this morning, how well do you feel like you're, you're instilling life, planting life in your husband or wife who's sitting here with you this morning? We're going to do something a little, a little different, all right, as we wrap up our time. Not too different, so don't get too worried. But what I want you to do is if you're married in this room, 
then I'm going to ask you in a minute, uh, we're going to have the band come back up, head this way. And, uh, and what I'm going to ask you guys to do is before you come take communion, if you would like to, if you're going to choose to take communion, then I want you to have open somewhere this Colossians chapter 3, okay? So I'm going to tell you again, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, okay? Don't go through 19, 12 through 17. And I'm going to ask you just to quietly sit in your chair. And some of you may do this all the time and you're like, this, this is a piece of cake. Some of you may have never done this before and that's totally okay. But I'm going to ask you, husbands, I want you to pray those verses to your wife. And then wives, I want you to pray those verses back to your husband. And that's all you have to say. If you want to go deeper than that and get into a super long prayer service with each other, that's great. If not, that's fine too. But I'm going to ask that we start with the relationships that are in this room. And I'm going to ask that you would, you would just feed those into, plant life now. Start that this morning. If you're here this morning, you're going, you know what, my spouse isn't with me and maybe things aren't great and you're working on, or maybe you're just going, I don't have a spouse yet. I don't know what that looks like then during this time that we're going to do communion and worship a little bit, we're going to have prayer partners in the back of the room. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to go back. If you've got anything with those relationships that you would just let somebody pray for you. Let, let, me, let me clear some air for you. You don't even have to tell them what's up. You can walk back there and say, would you just please pray for me? And you know what? The Holy Spirit is going to be the one that's speaking the words that are going to come out of their mouths anyway, so they don't have to know what your stuff is unless you just want to share all right. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to pause this time here. We're going to have the band start doing some worship. I'm going to ask you guys to pray over one another. If you, uh, are, if you want to take communion as a family or as a couple, then you can come up and, and do that. We're going to have our, our guys, if we can have you guys go ahead and start heading up this way. But um, I want to remind you that I always think it's, it's, it's pretty awesome that when we talk about marriage as well, there were two elements to the supper. There was the bread, which was broken for each one of us, which is the body of Christ. And then there is the blood of Christ that was spilled out for each one of us for our sins. There's a connection between the, between the bread and the, and the wine or the grape juice, right? There's a connection between those two and how God uses those together to send a perfect message of Christ. Can I tell you, husbands and wives, you are also a perfect message of what God wants to communicate to this world about a relationship with Christ. And so I invite you to, to own all of that this morning. So we're going to let these guys play. We're going to ask you guys to stand up if you would. Husbands and wives, take some, a few minutes to pray together. Prayer partners are in the back. We would love for you to go visit and pray with them. But this is your time to come and plant life in one another. Thanks for listening to the Declaration Church podcast. We pray many blessings over you and your journey as you declare him to the nations. For more podcasts and teaching, visit declaration.org slash podcast.